Welcome to the Delivery Diaries with Vanessa Nag. This is a podcast about how families were started. Join us as we hear parents tell us their stories of how their children were delivered, whether that's through birth stories or adoption stories. Listen in as we laugh together, cry together, and learn together. This week, Lauren shares the birth story of her son. At 36 weeks, she found out he was breech. She tried all the things to turn him, but had no luck, so she planned for a vaginal breech delivery. Her plans almost changed, but in the end, she did it. She had an unmedicated vaginal breech birth. Welcome, Lauren, to the Delivery Diaries. Oh, hi. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to tell listeners a little bit about you and your family? Yeah, for sure. So I'm Lauren. Um, My husband is Jacob, and we just had our first baby. His name is Cannon um, at the end of September. And we are, we live in the Sacramento area and um, kind of exciting. It was both for both sides of our family, um, first grandbaby too. So everyone was just all in so excited for um, us to welcome our baby boy. Awesome. Well, How did you find out that you were pregnant? Yeah, so I found out I was pregnant. Um, Gosh, I'm pretty traditionally have been spot on um, just like to a T with my menstrual cycle. And so I was like a day late and I knew that this month, that month, it could have been a possibility. And it was like, oh, gosh, okay. And, you know, then another day I was late and I just told myself, you know, there had been so many of these like moments where it's like, oh, I'm late. And, you know, you freak out a little bit. And then it's totally normal. And the stress, of course, like pushes back your period even more. But so I told myself, you know, don't panic. It's probably just nothing. So I think two or three days had gone on and I was at work and I really had just thought about it. And I was like, I could very possibly be pregnant. And I just was like, I texted a friend because I didn't want to text my husband and freak him out. And nothing got done at work that day. You know, it was just like Googling like first signs of pregnancy. And it was like going down the list like, okay, I have all those signs. Okay, well, well, let's try it to find a different website. Okay, I have all those too. So she was like, well, I think you should just pick up a test. And um, I drove home from work. I dropped by like a local pharmacy and got a test. And I came home and didn't even tell my husband that I was taking a test. I just was like, okay, like avoiding eye contact, like, okay, I have to go to the bathroom. (laughs) And I went to the bathroom and it was so funny. I remember because I've taken pregnancy tests in the past and they always take, you know, the full like five minutes to register and then it's a negative. So it's just like you're waiting and waiting. Oh, it's a negative. So I was expecting it to take that long. And um, I remember I was going to the bathroom and I set it down. I was like, okay, I'll wash my hands. And I just glanced down at it and it said pregnant. And I was like, um, okay, I wasn't emotionally prepared to have an answer yet. So I guess I'll just wash my hands. <laughs> and then I just was like, well, I guess I can't stay in the bathroom forever. So I walked out. My husband was just on the couch, like kind of wondering why I was acting so weird. And I just walked out with the test in my hand and kind of tears on my eyes. And I was just like, hey, I'm pregnant. And I'll never forget the look on his face because I expected him to be a little freaked out. And he just had the biggest smile and he was so excited. And it was kind of his excitement that was like reassured me that like, yeah, this is something to be excited about, you know. Um, I don't know. I just always had like this expectation of how I'd feel when I found out I was pregnant and just be like 
overwhelmed, so excited, but I was kind of shocked that I didn't know how to feel. It was like, I'm crying and they're happy tears, but now they're sad tears and I don't really know how to feel. But, um, so that was just an interesting experience. Um, but yeah, we were obviously really excited. So, awesome. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, how did your pregnancy go? Yeah. So I had a pretty uneventful pregnancy up until kind of the third trimester. Um, you know, I just, I didn't have severe morning sickness. It's just some nausea. I had a lot of fatigue. I didn't know that was like a thing, but gosh, lots of fatigue. <laughs> and yeah, so everything was pretty normal. Um, at around 30 weeks, you know, it was kind of hitting me of like, wow, a lot of the stuff, you know, being pregnant during COVID-19. Um, wow, this is just going to look different. You know, originally I was at a, a hospital birthing center using a midwifery team. Um, and it was just looking like, you know, I'm going to have to labor in a mask. I'm going to have to do a COVID test. My husband can't come to these appointments. Like, it's just hard to wrap your head around. And so um, I had made the decision to transfer to an independent birthing center. Um, and I got that all cleared. I had a gestational diabetes scare, but advocated a little bit to get retested. And that was in the clear. So I officially made the transfer to a birthing center. Um I was there for four weeks, and at the 36-week appointment, they wanted to confirm that he was head down. So they did an ultrasound, and it was funny because the midwife that I had been seeing, I saw the same midwife for two appointments, and she had been feeling and was like, yeah, it feels like he's head down. And the midwife at the 36-week appointment said, yep, feels like he's head down, um, but let's take a look at the ultrasound. And they pulled up the ultrasound, and they said, "That's, that's not his head. You know, and I was like, well, what do you mean it's not his head? <laughs> it has to be. This is the 36 week appointment where he's supposed to be head down. And they looked and they looked up um, towards my ribs and they said, nope, there's his head. He is breech. <laughs> oh, man. So, of course, that is not a word um, anyone wants to hear when they are pregnant, let alone for the first time. Um, and, you know, I just really didn't, I didn't even know what that meant. I knew that. I knew that it meant his butt was down, but I was like, what does this mean for me? I, you know, I just transferred here. Um, I don't even know. I'm assuming they don't do breech births because it's pretty, you know, it's not, it is in the variation of normal, but it's not common. Um, so I just started crying and I was just like, well, does this mean I have to have a C-section? They said, no, no, no. You know, we have, um, you've got some options. There's some things and exercises you can do. But we want you to have um, an ECV, an external cephalic version, where um, the OB will manually turn the baby from the outside. So I was like, gosh, okay, well, let's do it. So they had told me to schedule that out at 37 weeks. Um, the week before that, you know, I did all of the things. I did spinning babies. Um, I did silly things with, like shining a flashlight on my belly. Like, come on, baby, turn. I did acupuncture and Webster chiropractic and prenatal massage. And, you know, we got up into that appointment and um, I was really able to relax well through the version, but it was failed. And so it was one of those things she said, you know, it feels almost like he's up caught on a rib. And if he could have turned, you know, he would have, you know, I was relaxed enough, but for whatever reason, he wasn't turning. Right. So it was like, okay, well, change of plans again. Now the game plan went 
back to, it was actually at the same hospital that I'd started at the birthing center there, um, working with the midwifery team, but now I was going to be working with this OB. So that was the plan going forward. But the funny thing was she worked out of this one facility um, in Davis, California, but the Davis hospital did not allow vaginal breech birth um, to happen on their facility. So um, I had had an MRI and got the clear to, you know, attempt a vaginal breech birth. And it meant I'd be delivering with her as a guest at the Sacramento large downtown hospital because they have a NICU. So I was like, okay, that's the plan. So up until, you know, I gave birth, um, I was doing all of the things to try to turn him still and he just wasn't budging. So, you know, that was, um, that was it. It was just, I had to come to terms with the fact that, okay, we're having a breech birth and we'll see what happens. What a pregnancy or the end of the pregnancy anyways. <laughs> yeah. A lot of, um, a lot of commotion kind of jam-packed in that third trimester. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So do you want to go ahead and start with the birth story uh, when you went into labor? Yes. So I went into labor um, on September 23rd. It was a Wednesday. I woke up um, like 5 in the morning, went to the bathroom, um, went back to bed, and then felt kind of a gush. And I was like, hmm, I don't know about that. So I got up and I was, you know, looking around like, I think, is this it? Is it? I don't know. No, I think this was my water. I was struggling all around to find the one form I had of like when to call your doula. Um, And I'm like trying to read it and I feel another gush. And I'm like, oh, no. Okay. So I get back to the bathroom. I'm gushing all over the place. It was like theatrical, like out of a movie of just this like chaos of like dripping and I'm trying to clean that up and another gush comes and it's like they tell you like oh it's not like in the movies when your water breaks but I'm like no no this was out of some sort of comedy movie um so that was like well definitely my water has broken um I called my doula called the um OB to let her know hey it looks like I'm in labor and so just kind of a note about that too is the OB who would performed my version and who I had established care with had told me, yeah, we should be good to go. I want to let you know I'm going to be out of town the week up leading up to your due date. Oh, gosh. Okay. But she said, there's one other doctor in the practice who will do a vaginal breech birth. I was like, okay. (laughs) So, of course, it was before my due date. It was that week. Um, So, she was out of town. So, I called the backup um, OB who I'd met like one time. I hadn't even had an appointment with her yet and just said, Hey, it looks like you're going to be delivering my baby. <laughs> so that was just like, okay, well just let me know, you know, when things really get rolling. So pretty much the day just went on kind of as normal. I was able to work through a lot of the contractions easily. They slowed down a bit. And then when they came back, they came back as back labor, which Gosh, I had heard that term before, but you really just aren't prepared for what that means until it happens. <laughs> and, um, and you know, it was like all the coping mechanisms went out the window. It was like, how do we, how do we get through this? So I had the back labor um, all the way until that evening. We had asked my doula to kind of come to our house around 730 that evening. And she was, you know, helping me, um, you know, with all the, all the things. And Eventually, around like, gosh, 10 p.m. that night, we decided, you know, contractions are pretty close together. 
um, you know, all the telltale signs that maybe we should get going. So we headed off to the hospital in Sacramento um, and told the OB, you know, hey, we're going in. And so kind of just crazy with COVID. Um, I had to go in alone through triage. Um, and they checked me. My husband was waiting out and we had brought all of our stuff. He was like a pack mule with all of our stuff expecting to be admitted. And I sat through triage and she checked me and she said, you're one and a half centimeters. <laughs> and I was like, I've been in labor for 15 hours. How can I only be one and a half centimeters? And I'm not fully effaced. And so at that point, my OB had to call and request for me to be discharged um, because my water had already broken. And so I was like, well, no, I'm not going to sit here for who knows how many hours. It's already been 15. I'm only one and a half centimeters. So I went home and um, labored through the night. Um, and I had a set appointment. The next day was actually my birthday, um, the 24th. And I had an appointment with the OB. And so we just kept that appointment. And it's like, okay, well, I'll labor through the night. And then we'll see what I'm at in the morning. So the morning came, we went to that appointment and it was around 1130 or noon. And she checked me again. And she said, yeah, only one to two centimeters. And I was like, it's been 30 hours at this point. How can I still be only that far along and not effaced, you know? And you were still having consistent contractions? Yes. They had been consistent wow. all through the night. Like they had slowed down a bit, but they were just as intense and they it wasn't false labor because they didn't stop. Um, so at that point we was kind of like talking options of like what are we what are we gonna do? So I had the option of the membrane sweep, um, and then I had an option to do castor on my own, and then I had the option to do um schedule a C section. And my fear was that a membrane sweep and castor oil would um, progress the contractions and make them more intense without being productive. And so, because we had kind of suspected that because he was not head down, you know, his his butt was not in the right place to add that pressure to actually make these productive. Mm -hmm. And because of the back labor, it seemed like, you know, he was in a bad position of just in general, you know, this wasn't going anywhere. Right. So that point it was noon and I decided, first of all, it's my birthday. I don't want to have major abdominal surgery. <laughs> um, and I don't want to share a birthday for the rest of my life if I can control it. Um, I mean, I had to be a little selfish there. And I don't know if I wasn't thinking and I was just totally being stubborn or for me, you know, like my faith is really important to me. So I, part of me is like, gosh, maybe that was, uh, maybe that was God or the universe just telling me like, no, like give yourself time. Either way, I'm glad I had said, let's schedule it for noon the next day. Um, so we went home and I had another 24 hours till anything would happen. And the funny thing is when you schedule a C-section and you're in labor, the contractions don't just stop. <laughs> they keep <Yeah>. going. <laughs> and I don't think I had really thought that through of like, okay, 24 more hours is almost the amount of time I've been in labor and I'm going to keep doing this so I don't share a birthday. Like, what am I thinking? <laughs> So we went home and they had given me like um, a medicine to kind of help me relax and sleep, but it was totally not worth it um, because, you know, when you're having a contraction, you kind of feel it build and then it reaches that peak and it drops off. So this medicine had made it so that I wasn't feeling the build 
and I was able to sleep, but then I would wake up at the height of it and I was not able to prepare or breathe through it. And I was just wailing in pain. It was no good. (laughs) So at that point, out of just total desperation, you know, I had actually texted my chiropractor, which I had only known her for, gosh, four weeks because I transferred care to her when I found out baby was breech. Um, She was a Webster certified chiropractor. And I was just like, I need help. I don't know if you have recommendations on exercises or if you have an appointment available tonight, but I can't do this. And she, to my you know surprise, had been kind of texting back and forth on my phone with my husband. And she was like, okay, I'll, I'll come to your house. <laughs> so I was like, Oh, wow. Perfect. So she came and really just got to work. And she was like, yeah, your sacrum is out of place. I think baby's kind of pressing down on that. Maybe that's why you're having so much back pain. And it's like, okay. So she definitely took the edge off the back labor for a while, for a few hours. Um, It was still definitely present, but that was a huge relief. Um, So yeah, let's see. That was in the evening on Um, Thursday. So I had another night of labor. So throughout this whole time, you know, I hadn't slept because these contractions were right up. They were six to eight minutes apart. But when that's through the night, you can't really sleep. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I labored again all through the night. At this point, the back labor was so intense that we had um, the only position that was helpful in kind of coping through it was we had a metal folding chair in our house. I don't even know why we have that to come to think of it, but was sitting backwards on it. Um, and just kind of, kind of like how people sit backwards on a toilet, but this was easier. Um, so I just pushed through and just really try to get through the contraction. And a lot of times, you know, my mom or my husband would have to apply counter pressure on my back to get through it. So you know, it was every eight minutes of just squeezing onto this chair. And the the next day I had black bruises on the inside of my thighs from just doing this over and over. It was wild. So around three in the morning, so this is, you know, now Friday morning. um, I was just like, I can't do this. I can't do this for one more second. And, um, you know, the C-section was scheduled for noon. I had to be there at 10. And I was like, you know, can we, can we move up the C-section? No, we can't. She had another operation going on that morning. And I was like, what can we do? So we got on the phone with my doula. They got on the phone with the OB who was on call actually. And we kind of agreed like, I, if I'm not emotionally stable enough, I'm too tired physically to go through with a vaginal delivery. I can't take emotionally going through driving to the Sacramento hospital to get checked again going through that triage alone and then hearing I'm not even close emotionally, I just couldn't take it. I was like, I've come to terms with the fact I've surrendered my plan of a vaginal delivery and we're having a C-section. And so we had decided, well, we'll drive to Davis where the C-section was going to take place. And um, I'll just get an epidural early because I was going to get one eventually. So I'll get an epidural. It will help with the back labor. Maybe I can rest and sleep. I just, I need to have some energy saved up for when, you know, to recover from surgery. Um, so that was our plan. So at about six at that morning, we drove into Davis. Um, let's see. 
And we got there and they get us checked in and um, they say, okay, well, we're going to do, we're going to check you and we're going to do a non-stress test before the epidural. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, you guys, I just, I just need this epidural. Like, come on. They're like, well, we'll do it, but we just have to do this first. Okay. So they hook me up. They're doing the non-stress test. The doctor who's on call, who is the one who would be doing the vaginal breach, came in and checked me. And she was really quiet. And she took out the spec. And she said, well, you're at six centimeters. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I was just in shock. And I, I really was in shock. I remember looking at my husband. And he had this look on his face like, oh, my gosh. And at that point, it really clicked like, did she just say I'm at six centimeters? Like I, it's kind of clicking. Like it was almost like time stopped and things were happening around me. And I really came to of just like, that's what she said. What does that mean? And she said, well, do you want to go ahead with the vaginal breach delivery? And I just like looked at my husband and he's like, well, you know, looking at me and I was just like, yeah, yeah, I guess, I guess so. Like, what does that mean? I'm here. I'm hooked up to these to this monitor. And she's like, okay, well, um, she was just getting off her on-call shift at the hospital. And she said, you know, I don't really have time to go home and neither do you. So let's drive to Sacramento, which was 20 minutes back towards where we lived. Um, and we'll just take it from there. So it was funny because another nurse had come in after the order had gone through that I was being discharged. And she said, um, it says this patient's being discharged, but she's she's at six centimeters. And my nurse was like, uh, no, no, that's correct. And it was just like, no, no, it's a special situation, you know. So I was like, okay, we're doing this. So I got dressed and we walked out of that birthing center at the hospital and the nurses all clapped and were cheering us Aww. on because how often does someone get discharged at six centimeters? And how often do you see someone attempting a vaginal breach? You know, both of it was just kind of a wild phenomenon. So, you know, it was like my doula and my mom had driven with us to Davis and they didn't want to leave the parking lot till they kind of heard what was going to go on, even though they couldn't come into the hospital. Um, And so we said, yeah, like we're we're going back to Sacramento. So my doula drove with us in the car, and of course, I'm still in labor, and now it's Friday morning, 8 a.m. traffic on the freeway in downtown Sacramento. So it's like, oh, this is, we're in for a wild ride, and honestly, I was not buckled in in the back seat. I was like straddling the passenger seat, just trying to make it through, and we got there. And it was funny, we when we did get there, I had felt just like almost a surge of energy pour out over me. You know, I had been in labor for gosh, 50 hours at this point, hadn't slept. Um, I shouldn't have been this energetic, but I was like so excited. Um, And so we pulled up and they wheeled me up to a room and it was just a night and day difference from when I was there a night or two before. Um, From, you know, I didn't have to do triage. I didn't have to do it alone. I got there and they said, you know, oh, Lauren is here and the doors opened and my nurse was there and everyone's chipper. And I was like, wow, what is happening? This is so amazing. Um, and they let my doula walk back to the room with us before leaving. And I just had an amazing nurse. Um, so yeah, we just kind of got started and I was laboring and, uh, about two hours after the first check. So it was about nine 30 in the morning. They said, you know, let's go ahead and check and see what's going on now. And they checked me 
And at this point, my mom and my doula had hopped on Zoom. So we we're all like, okay, let's see. And she said, you're at eight centimeters. And I was just like music to my ears. It was just like unbelievable, like eight centimeters. That is like when things really are happening, like we're really doing this. And it was just so hard to believe after all this time of just nothing, nothing, nothing. And then to have it progress on track, you know, it was pretty amazing. And so that point, um, I had really, you know, when I had originally back before we found out he was breached, wanted to have a water birth and this hospital had pools available. Um, you can't give birth in them, but you can labor in them. And so they had set up a pool for me and what a blessing that was. Honestly, I was in there for an hour, but obviously it, it was soothing. And for my back to the back labor, it was great to just have warm water on me, but just almost like a little bit of, um, again, just like kind of where I think of my faith in this of just like God saying like, here, like, this is your little, you still get this, you know, kind of that little treat for me to be able to say, I did get to labor in water. Um, so about two hours had passed and it was time for another check. And I was at nine and a half centimeters. Um, and then I had an anterior lip. Um, so I honestly, I don't really even know what that means still, (laughs) but I knew it wasn't time to push. Um, and at that point, the doctor who, you know, had been the one who was going to deliver said, Hey, so I actually have a scheduled surgery to perform back in Davis at one o'clock. And we look at the clock and it's like 1145. And we're like, um, what are you saying? Are you saying I have to give birth in 10 minutes? Are you saying hold it. Like, I don't know. I don't think it works that way. I don't know. Um, and she said, so, you know, the original doctor I had been seeing, um, who was on vacation, she had been communicating with her the whole time throughout my labor and said, she's on her way back from her vacation. She wasn't supposed to be back in the office till tomorrow, but she's coming straight to the hospital to deliver your baby. And I was just like, you're kidding. Like, Part of me was just like, she probably thinks I'm just crazy (laughs) after like being kind of like told what's happening throughout my labor. And maybe she just wants to witness this crazy person (laughs) finish it, you know? Um, And so I was like, okay, well, and she said, okay, well, she's in the building. So um, I'm going to head out. And so she um, came up and sure enough, she was on her way back from vacation. She was dressed in normal clothes. <laughs> she was like, oh, all right. So what's the situation? Okay. Like, great. I guess I'll go change and changed into scrubs. Um, so she came in and checked me and I was still at that nine and a half, but we did a couple of maneuvers and were able to get me to 10 centimeters. Um, and so at that point, um, the hospital policy was for vaginal breach delivery is you deliver in the operating room right. um, because, you know, just of the complications that could arise. Um, so we actually started, we pushed a little bit in my room just to honestly, I wasn't having the urge to push like people talk about really. So it was kind of like, being told it's time to push when a contraction came. So it was almost practicing pushing for a few minutes um, in my room before it was like, okay, I've got the hang of this. And we went to the OR. And so we went in there and we brought the laptop with my mom and my doula. And, you know, I knew that there'd be, you know, it'd be the operating room. So different environment from, you know, I had a nice view of Sacramento and that was not the case, of course, in the operating room. 
Um, and there were, besides me and my husband, 10 people in the room. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I'm a pretty modest person. Of course, in birth, you know, that kind of goes out the window anyways. But it really had to go out the window when I had to I mean, truly, they didn't have a job unless something went wrong. So they were just spectators. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And so, you know, there's people there. There was an anesthesiologist. There was a NICU doctor and a NICU team of nurses and a surgeon and people like laying out instruments. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And it was kind of honestly stressful because you had all the clamor like they weren't giving birth. They weren't being quiet or you know, just watching. Um, it was kind of a lot of chit chat. And so a lot of times my husband, um, he had to turn on and be like, can we like make it quiet? And at that point, you know, then the OB was like, all right, guys, like, let's calm down a bit and, you know, make this a little, little more peaceful. And I had, as more people came in, um, people would come up by my head, like in between contractions, being like, hey, I just want to let you know I'm from the NICU team, just here to make sure. I'm like, they're like telling me their name. I'm like, I'm not going to remember this. Like what just, what is happening? Um, and we actually had another nurse in there who just had requested to watch. <laughs> and I was just like, you know, the more the merrier at this <laughs> yeah, point. At this point. <laughs> <laughs> What's one more person in this room? But really, you know, um, she had never seen a vaginal breach delivery. And um, I mean, looking back, I'm like, you know, I'm glad that all those people got to witness this because breach is a variation of normal. And I want people to be comfortable with this. And, you know, when the next one comes, even just have one more under their belt. So for sure. So yeah, we were in the operating room. And so um, gosh, I knew that at some point I would be pushing on my hands and knees. But for most of my pushing, I was on my back. Fortunately, I didn't have to lay on the operating table. They let me just keep in my bed that I had been in. Um, they rolled me in and I was on my back, kind of angled on my right side, clenching the rail on the bed. But I had to have one, my left leg up in the air, kind of at a 90 degree angle. But I couldn't hold it up. I'd been in labor for so long with the back labor and my back would spasm through every contraction. So I physically I couldn't push. And so actually my husband was the one who got given the task of holding my leg up at a 90 degree angle and applying counter pressure on my back every time I had to push. Uh-huh. And so, you know, when I heard I would be pushing on my hands and knees, I was like, great, you know, that's fine, but you'll need to stay up at the head portion of what's happening. Um, you know, I never expected him to play such a hands-on role. But there he was, and we were doing it, and he was very active in it. Um, In total, I pushed for two hours. um, And, you know, when the baby normally comes through head first, their little heads are kind of malleable and can be molded through the birth canal. But that's not necessarily the case for a breech birth. You know, those hips are kind of locked and loaded in place. Um, So the OB actually, like, so cringy, but had to, like, stretch my perineum like every with every push to get make room for him it was just like oh my goodness this is this is something um so finally they had said you know we can see him we can see parts of him he's coming he's coming and um I hadn't been looking down through the whole time but they had finally said you know like let's get you back on your hands and knees um you know it's he's gonna be here soon so he got back on my hands and knees. Still, at this point, hadn't looked down through labor. I was just a little freaked out. And I think part of me didn't want 
to look down and have them be saying that he was close and then me not see him, you know, and totally be discouraged. So I hadn't looked down, but uh, I heard the OB say, he's peeing. And I was like, what? And just without even thinking, I looked down through my legs and sure enough, he's, his butt was out hanging like a hammock. He was peeing and he was, you know, pooping meconium, uh, which is normal for breech birth because there's so much squeezing. Um, You know, normally that's like fetal distress, but totally normal. But it was just like, what is happening? And I had um, seconds after I looked down, a leg flopped out. And it was something, it was like something out of a sci-fi alien movie. It was something else. Because, you know, their skin is kind of that purpley red color and slimy. And so this leg just popped out. And then another leg just popped out. So his butt and two legs. And um, they said, you know, keep pushing, keep pushing. And then an arm just flopped out. And the other arm flopped out. So I was like, wow, okay, here we are. It's only his head left. Um, And so at this point, my contractions had been, they were actually six minutes apart. So not ideal for pushing, but they were lasting a minute to two minutes long. So the hard part about that was obviously that's a long contraction, but, you know, I really had to make the most of them because they weren't going to come and they were afraid that he was going to get stuck with his head stuck in there. Um, so uh, I was obviously exhausted by the end of these contractions because they'd been going on for two minutes. And so uh, they had said kind of like, you know, keep pushing, keep pushing one more through the whole time. And this last part, I didn't even hear them say one more push, but I was just like, his head is right. It's just his head. And I heard my husband just say, just one more big push and he'll be here. And I was just like, that's what I have to hold on to. So I just did it. And it was like, gosh, that was hard because it was one last push. And the interesting thing, too, about breech birth is that, you know, typically your OB or your midwife in a traditional birth will kind of guide the baby out with their hands or support the body as it comes out. Well, with a breech birth, that's not the case. So it's actually a hands off. So this whole time as his hands and his butt and now his leg or his arms are out, um, no one's touching him. <laughs> He's just dangling. Um, So that's what really made it look kind of like an alien, to be honest. And um, so no one's touching him. So when I pushed out the head, the OB's hands were just waiting below to catch the body, not not pull him out. So I did. I did it. The one last push and he just fell into her hands. And without even thinking, I just instinctively reached through my legs and um, grabbed him and pulled him up and sat up on my knees with him on my chest. And we have this really amazing photo that a nurse took on my husband's phone of just um, baby still connected to the core, just on my chest. And I just feel like superwoman when I look at it. Um, but one of the nurses was like, hey, we have to check the baby, <laughs> you know, telling my husband, we have to check him. And so I was like, oh, okay. So I gave them over and seconds later, you know, he let out a cry and um, his Apgar was eight at that point, And then five minutes later, it was at the nine. And so what I didn't know going into a breech birth is that I knew that there was a chance that he would need to be resuscitated um, and a chance for minor things like, um, honestly, like a broken arm or leg because of just the unusual way of coming out, um, which would still be considered not high risk problem to have or long term. But um, I didn't know that it's actually more common than not to need them to be resuscitated, uh, which I'm glad I didn't know. That would have freaked me out a little bit. 
but he totally was fine, breathed on his own right away, um, and was able to just be wheeled back into my room to deliver the placenta. And um, I had a little bit of Pitocin because um, they were afraid of hemorrhaging because of how long I'd been pushing and been in labor. Um, and just because I had lost a decent amount of blood from the stretching and stuff. And so, yeah, he was here and he was healthy, eight pounds, five ounces. And um, yeah. Wow. That's the story. <laughs> Way to go. <laughs> oh, thank you. Wow. It's such an amazing story. And eight pounds, eight pounds breech baby. That's so awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, it's not small. He was definitely like chunky. It's so funny. He looks huge in photos. And so everyone now is like, oh, he's not as big as he, as he looked. But I'm like, no, no, I recall he was, he was big. (laughs) (laughs) I remember it well. (laughs) Uh, So, oh, I love that so much. I love it. And so how was postpartum? Did you tear any or? Yeah, I did. I had a second degree tear kind of towards the back. So um, fortunately, I didn't have the kind of uh, what I hear is normal of like going to the bathroom peeing. It was fine. But um, I did have quite a few stitches. I don't know how many I didn't want to ask. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I've, you know, I'm three, I think three weeks postpartum tomorrow at this point. And um, recovering nicely. Um, so yeah, I mean, we're doing good. Baby's doing good too. And good. You're yeah. still in the thick of postpartum. <laughs> I, I am, you know, we tried to go for a walk today and it was like, mm, we're not ready for a walk, <laughs> but, but yeah, so that's my story of kind of the roller coaster of, you know, just going, navigating different providers, you know, it was emotionally exhausting. And then just kind of that, I mean, really roller coaster of like vaginal, we're having a C-section. We're not having a C-section. We're driving through traffic. It's like, I just look back and I'm like, that was me. I did that. (laughs) So that's, that's awesome. And again, way to go. Thank you. (laughs) So if you had any bits of wisdom, what would that be? Um, Pregnant. I would say is prepare for everything. You know, um, I had read, uh, you know, Ina May's Guide to Childbirth. I'd read Birth Without Fear and I had read kind of um, Mama Natural's week by week book. And, you know, a lot of it, you know, you go through and you're like, oh, well, I'm having a birth center birth. So I don't need to read the hospital birth chapter. or I don't need to read the C-section chapter because I'm not having a C-section. And, you know, I I feel glad that honestly, I I didn't do that. I did read those chapters in some of the books, kind of filed it away like, okay, well, you know, I won't need this. But gosh, I'm glad I did read that stuff just to kind of just to know that anything is possible and you you can plan and plan and plan. But ultimately, baby is going to get here how baby needs to get here. Um, You know, part of me really hates it when people would say, oh, well, whatever happens, you know, as long as mom and baby are safe, because I think that really... um, that's just not a healthy thing to say when someone is kind of grieving their plan or grieving a plan that went awry in their mind. It's not healthy, but ultimately, you know, be prepared because you never know how baby will need to get here um, or what may happen. Or So, yeah, that's my advice for anyone who's pregnant. That's wonderful advice because you really, you never know. You just you can't know. know. No, no. 
you know, I just want to really just shout it from the mountaintops that, you know, breach is one. I mean, it's okay to be a little startled when you hear that, you know, you might have a breach baby. Um, but also it's okay to also advocate for yourself, you know, to have options. Um, from what I hear, it's kind of like finding a unicorn, finding someone who's willing to deliver, you know, a planned vaginal breach. Um, it is typically a C-section. Um, and if, you know, and if you find yourself in the situation where there is no one to deliver, like that's okay too, to have a C-section and baby is going to get here and safe and you're going to meet him or her. Um, but don't be afraid to advocate for yourself too, of saying, you know, this is a variation of normal and, um, you know, maybe you might have to drive a ways to find someone who is willing to deliver or, um, you know, kind of do your own research and advocate a little bit. But I just want to just encourage people to know that it can be done. Um, it's a little bit more emotionally exhausting, I'd say, in terms of preparation. Um, but it can be done. And it people have been giving birth for centuries. And I'm sure there were some breach births in the, down the way before we had um, modern, you know, interventions and medicines. So it can be done and mamas are warriors. We can do it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing your amazing story tonight. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. So fun. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the delivery diaries. If you are loving the Delivery Diaries birth and adoption stories, it would mean so much if you would rate or review the podcast. If you'd like to see pictures from this week's episode, head over to at the Delivery Diaries on Instagram and Facebook.